Jesus' precious name. Today has been a blessing to be here with you all and uh, worship together and hear God's word preached. It's been a been a long time since I've been up here and shared, and so uh, feels just a little bit. Uh, I guess I, I feel a little nervous. I just to be honest with you, but um, trust that God has something for us. And uh, it's a beautiful day. Just getting up this morning, going outside. It was already warm, and uh, just the beautiful um, grass that's turning green, and all the different things that are popping out of the ground. Just uh, breathes new life into us, and uh, this is an exciting time of the year. So uh, I think I'll start out just with a word of prayer, ask God to uh, come and be with us here this morning. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come before you this morning in the precious name of Jesus. God, we thank you that you are here with us today. Thank you, Father, that you have rose again. Father, you're no longer in the grave, but you have risen. Father, we thank you for that, uh, for that resurrection power that each one of us can have, that can experience, that can be in our lives. God, I pray that we can get a glimpse of that this morning. I pray that you would uh, just show us yourself. I think of all the people in this world that um, are celebrating uh, Easter today, and, and many people are going to church because it's, it's the right thing to do. And, and I just pray, God, that even... For those who may not even know you but are doing it just because um, it's Easter, God, I pray that you could even speak to them and, and uh, show them yourself, God, and your love and your salvation and your care. God, I just pray that you would um, just help us, God, to be your ambassadors, to be for those of us that have Christ in our lives. You have saved us. You have, you have called us out of darkness into light. I pray that we could be... Um, that we could be just showing forth your love and your light to this lost and dying world, God, that people would see Jesus in us. Father, I just ask you for that. God, we just we need you, and pray that your blessing would be upon us this morning. Bless, the, bless your word as it's shared, God. I just ask for your, for your help and uh, guidance, Father. I pray that, that we could uh, all go home having um, received something out of your word that would change our lives. God, we just... Uh, Commit ourselves to you. We thank you that you're with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I guess we all probably know it's Easter this morning. And uh, just this past week, for some reason, this song was going through my mind about um, consider the lilies. Consider the lilies of the field. There's a song about that. And uh, I wasn't necessarily thinking of talking about that, but I, I was thinking maybe I would just share that verse from the beginning here, Um, and it comes out of Matthew chapter 6, and I think I'll start in verse 25 and read to verse uh, verse 30, just in light of, uh, it's interesting here how I was just reading a little bit of backdrop with this, and it seemed like when Jesus um, was talking about this, about the lilies, considering the lilies, um, it was in a time when spring, in springtime. So he was maybe outside talking to the people there, and, and uh, he, he's, he just um, took their attention to this. Maybe there was some lilies somewhere close by, and just was something practical that they could understand and see. 
Um, so anyway, let's just start in verse 25. It says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? There's a lot of things in here, and I'm not going to take a lot of time to, to look at it all, but just, just the thought of consider, consider the lilies, um, consider Christ. Um, can we see Christ in the simple, the simple little things? Like uh, we think of, of King Solomon um, and all the, the kings, of the, you know, he was envied by everyone because of his, his wealth and his uh, splendor. He had everything he could wish for. But, but here Jesus is saying that even Solomon was not arrayed like one of these little, uh, you say, delicate little things, a, a lily. So uh, I was just blessed by that thought. God cares about us so much. Um, he also talks about the fowls of the air, all the birds flying in the sky. Um, God feeds them, and he takes care of them. And how much more, or he says, are you not much better than they? And yes, we are. We are much better than the, those birds and the fowl that fly in the air. So uh, may that increase our faith here this morning. God, God is with us. Let's consider Him. Um, I guess going on to my thoughts for this morning, the, the title I had was uh, The Power of His Resurrection. So I would, I guess, like to, to talk about the resurrection um, and the song, the song also was going through my mind this past week, uh, Low in the Grave He Lay. And it's the song we sang this morning already, and I was thinking I would actually read it. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll do that again, just to, uh, <coughs> for us to, uh, just listen to the words, number 252 in our psalm books. Low in the grave he lay. And there's something about this song that just, just brings life. Um, when you're singing it, it's, I don't know if it's the way it's, it's the words, but also the way it's written. It's just a, a beautiful song. Um, it's exciting to sing. But I will uh, go ahead and read these verses here. It says, Low in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior, waiting the coming day, Jesus my Lord. <clears throat> Then uh, I'll go into verse 2 right away. Vainly they watch his bed, Jesus my Savior. Vainly they seal the dead, Jesus my Lord. Death cannot keep his prey, Jesus my Savior. He tore the bars away, Jesus my Lord. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose... He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. We can just let those words sink into our hearts. Hallelujah.
Christ arose up from the grave. He arose. He was he was down in that dark domain, down that dark in that dark hole. <clears throat> but he arose a victor from all that, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. Um, another interesting. I was just pondering these verses. How it says, "Vainly they watched his bed," um, and I was thinking about the soldiers that were standing watch. Um, they were watching to make sure that he would not rise again on the third day like he said he would. Um, a watch of soldiers, there was four soldiers, and they said they would they would rotate out like every four hours. So it could have been about 50 soldiers that were there in total. Um, but they watched his bed, you know, making sure he didn't leave. Um, and vainly they sealed, vainly they sealed the dead. But it was all in vain. That didn't stop Jesus from rising from the dead. Death cannot keep his prey. He tore the bars away. There was all these things, these, you know, these obstacles that they were trying to keep him there, but that didn't stop him from rising again. He just, you know, was, that was not in his way. He uh, tore those bars away and he rose again. He rose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose a victor. And that should bring life, that should bring, that's salvation. He rose a victor. He rose victoriously, and because of that, that's why we're here today. That's why we have hope and life and salvation. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the stone, the stone that was in front of the, of the grave, they say it was about five to six feet in diameter. And it was one foot thick and weighed two to four thousand pounds. And it was kind of in a, in a groove that sloped down, sloped down. So when it was closed, it went down the groove. So once it was closed, it was closed pretty, pretty good. For one person to try to push that three thousand whatever pound stone back up the slope, it would have been impossible. So, uh, yeah, he was... He was, he was well, uh, he was well stuck in there, <laughs> at least humanly speaking. But uh, that didn't stop him. He tore those bars away, like this song said, tore that those barriers away. <clears throat> so we can be thankful for that. I'm thankful that that uh, he rose again. So I would like to read the account here in Matthew, uh, the account of the resurrection. And then we'll uh, have more thoughts after that. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 27. And I guess this, this whole thing of the resurrection, is, it's such an ex- excitement to us as Christians. Um, because it's, it's our salvation. You know, first of all, he, he bore all our sins upon himself. He, he went to the grave, he was the perfect sacrifice, and then that, that sin, all that weight of sin that was upon him, it didn't keep him, it didn't keep him down there, but, it, but he, uh, he burst forth and shook those, those, um, those weights off, and he, was, and he went to heaven, and he's there for us, so we can have that relationship with him, and that we can have the same, we can have that same um, I guess, situation in our lives as well. 
that same power, the power of his resurrection. So I'd like to start in verse 57 of chapter 27. It says, When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that the deceiver said, While he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. It's kind of an interesting thing to note. Randall was talking about that a little bit this morning, how um, they forgot that he was going to rise again in three days. Well, um, these men didn't forget. They, uh, <laughs> I guess the wrong ones remembered. But um, they remembered. So, uh, so they said, Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away. And say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate saith unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Uh, verse twenty or chapter twenty eight. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre, and behold there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There ye shall see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre and with with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this came to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. I was going <clears> to... <throat> make a point there, and Rand already brought it out. In Luke, um, the angel said to Mary, um, why seek ye the living among the dead? 
Um, he is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. And uh, I was thinking about that as well. You know, why did they, why did they forget? Um, you'd think, you know, Jesus was right there with them. For us, you know, we don't have that. He's not here right in front of us in a physical sense. Um, for them, he was, and, and they still forgot. Um, and I think, and I don't know, some of it could be, um, when you think of some, someone dying, you know, they went into that tomb, the stone was rolled in front of the door, and they're in there for good. You know, this is the end, you know, they, you know, for what they were used to. And, you know, maybe they just thought that, well, it, you know, this is probably, this is the end. You know, is he, they just couldn't wrap their minds around that he's actually going to rise again on the third day. Um, but even in our, in our lives, you know, thinking of it that way, um, we tend to kind of go, to go down that path as, as well, um, where, you know, we think, did, did Jesus actually, does he actually have the power for me to live righteous, for me to live a righteous life? Um, and we, we have those same tendencies as well. So uh, <clears throat> I guess my desire here this morning is as we look at the power of his resurrection, the power that we can have as Christians, that it would, um, I guess, propel us forward and just help us to understand maybe in a, in a better way just just what is available to us as Christians to live righteous, um, holy lives. So um, I was just going to say, too, you know, we... Today is Easter, and all around the world, many churches are celebrating Easter. They read the Easter story, you know, and people are excited about it. It's an exciting, it's an exciting thing. Um, but for us as Christians, it's, it brings on a whole new dimension as we think about what actually happened um, and how that same power is is available to us as Christians. Um, it's really exciting. <clears throat> So I'd like to turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 to 11, and read that. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh... If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, I'm, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I mourn. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom... I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead."
I did, uh, I was reading a message yesterday about um, the, power of his retro- the power of his resurrection and knowing Christ, and some of these thoughts come, come from that, um, just kind of a little study, and I was just really encouraged, I guess, just realizing, again, um, it's easy to just kind of, I guess, go, get into this and we all know this, you know, we just get into this mold of everyday life. You know, it's, it's, we read our Bible in the morning, we pray, and and uh, that's, you know, kind of the extent of, we go to church, and that's the extent of what we, of what we know about our, you know, our Christian life. But there's, there's so much more um, that we can experience. When Jesus died, did he stay in the grave? No, if he would have stayed in the grave, then he would have no power today. His words might have some influence, but that's but that's about all. Our God is not a dead. Our God is not dead, but he is alive. And this whole thing of resurrection power, it's it's something obviously that is supernatural. It's not um, something that we can drum up ourselves. Um, this is something. This is a God a God thing, and it's very profound. Being a Christian is having a relationship with a living Savior, a Savior we can know, who infuses our life and empowers us and transforms us into His likeness. So, uh, Philippians 3 and verse 10. Um, the beginning of verse 10, Paul says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. So that's what I want to look at here a little bit. Um, <clears throat> Paul had a great desire that he would know Christ. And also that he would know the power of of, the, of his resurrection. So I'd just like to look at that. What is what what is it to know him, <clears throat> or what's Paul talking about? And also, um, what is that power of his resurrection? The uh, <clears throat> the word "know" here in verse ten that I may know him. I looked it up, and it means uh, absolutely. It's the idea of to know absolutely, without question, to know Christ. Um, and then I looked up what's the opposite of absolutely. For some reason, I was having a hard time thinking what's opposite of absolutely. And uh, a couple of things here was um, doubtfully or questionably. Or kind of the idea of um, you're doubting, you're, you're doubtful or questionable about something. So if we... If we go through our Christian life, you know, thinking about this resurrection power, about knowing Christ um, in a doubtful or questionable way, you know, we won't get anywhere with that. Um, so we need to have, we need to know absolutely, we need to know Christ without a doubt that He is alive, that He is resurrected, and that He has what we need to live righteous lives and holy lives. So, um, yeah, just this whole thought of knowing him, and I know we all desire that. That is our desire. Um, and, I, and that is a very important aspect of our Christian life is, is knowing him, understanding his ways and how he thinks. I'd like to uh, read, actually I have it here, Jeremiah 9. Verse 23 to 24, it says, Thus saith the Lord, 
Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And it's amazing, this was in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah, but all along that was God's desire that that we would understand and know Him. That He is the Lord that exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness. And I know we all would desire those things. Um, And as we learn to know Christ, it will become a part of us. That righteousness, loving kindness. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. We can glory in many different things. We can glory in people who are wise and rich. As we you know, think about King Solomon, he had everything that a person could want. Um, and it's easy for us to look at people like that you know, and glory in their accomplishments and maybe glory in, in their, uh, yeah, some of the things they have. But we need to glory in the Lord and know Him and understand Him. So then going into the New Testament, in John 17, verse 3, it says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That is life eternal. That's eternal life. To know God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And there's so many many other gods in this world. Um... I was just thinking, you know, in, in Haiti, we had a couple different times where there would be a, a group of people going down the road past our house, like with a cow um, or something that they were planning to go sacrifice for, uh, for something that had happened. Maybe someone had died and they had to, you know, appease the spirits or, you know, things like that. But it, it's just, it's such a dead, dead thing, you know, and how is this supposed to take care of their, you know, their their innermost longings, you know, and, I, you know, they desire to to uh, to please the person they're serving, their God, you know, but it's all going about it in the wrong way, and it's, it's a dead religion. But we, as Christians, we have something exciting. Um, our God, He was dead, and He burst through those bars of death, and He rose again. So just going on here to 2 Peter 1, verse 3, it says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So we see here, it's through the knowledge of Him that we can have power for true life and godliness. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things, everything, everything we need that pertain unto life and godliness. And it's interesting how he says, through the knowledge of Him. And it's through knowing Him, as we understand His ways and as we seek Him and as we learn to know Him, that, that we can have that divine power, that, it, that we can understand it in a, a better way as it works out in our lives. 
First John 5, verse 20 says, And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding, that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. I guess this verse really blessed me as I thought about it. Um, the Son of God has come. He came. We know that. And uh, I was thinking, too, about that, about the uh, how Jesus died and went to the grave, to that tomb, and rose again. And we, you know, we live by faith because we don't, Jesus isn't here and we don't see him, but yet we know he's real. And another another aspect of that is, is that we also have evidence, you know, his, historical evidence that the grave was there and uh, that Jesus actually, that, that did happen. So it's, um, so this is, it's true. It, you know, Jesus is alive and he did rise again. Um, and he hath given us and understanding that we may know him. So he didn't just come and do all these things and say, okay, you know, understand me. Um, but he hath given us an understanding. And that really stood out to me that, that he, desires to, he desires for us to understand, and he gives it to us so that we can know him. It's not like we're just trying to you know, know him without anything. Um, but he has given us an understanding. So I'm so thankful for that. And he, uh, and that is part of the reason he left heaven and came to earth and lived here on this earth and showed us how to live. Um, he did all that and to give us a better understanding and also his word he gave us. <clears throat> so we, uh, we see it's important to know him, to have a relationship with him. And uh, just thinking about, you know, different aspects of how, you know, practical ways of how, how can we know him or what can we do to know him. And I think we all would probably know, um, obviously, first of all, we need to accept him into our hearts so we can have that relationship. And then also uh, just uh, prayer, you know, prayer and reading his word. Um, his word is full of, of himself. You know, that is where we can, under, we can learn to know him. And he wants to give us understanding as we, uh, as we read and study his word. <clears throat> and, you know, we, we hear that a lot. You know, we, we need to pray and we need to study his word. And, and I know for myself, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it can get, you kind of, I guess, get into the groove of life and you, you tend to, to lose track of some of that. You know, am I actually studying? Am I really getting into the word? Um, and I know I, I fell on that a lot, just even yesterday studying, I was like, wow, you know, this is exciting, you know, just to be able to, just to take the time to sit down and actually, you know, study, study God's word. And what, I think that'll, that, that makes a huge impact in our lives. Um, you know, whether it's individually or corporately as a church or however that works out. Um, but we do need to have that personal relationship with him and, and cultivate that, and also our prayer life. Um, and, you know, there was, a, I think the disciples asked Jesus, you know, teach us how to pray. And I know I, that's my prayer too, you know, that God would teach us how to pray because we don't know how we need to pray, but God wants to give us that understanding 
to understand how we ought to pray and to actually um, to actually connect with Him. And I think even with that whole thing of prayer and, and just having that quiet time reading His Word, you know, it's something that as a brotherhood we can encourage each other in. I think that's very important. And uh, I think that's part of God's plan is that we can um, encourage each other in our walk with the Lord. Um, and also just an aspect of knowing Christ is being a part of, of a body of believers, hearing God's Word preached um, is ways of understanding God, of hearing His, of how He operates. Um, brothers come up front and they share out of God's Word what they received. And also um, another aspect I thought of was seeing God work in, others, in other people's lives and transforming them also has a way of, of showing us God's ways, how he delights in transforming lives. And I think if we see that, that also is an encouragement to us and can also help us to see, how, see more of God and to know God. <clears throat> so I'd like to go to the second part here, um, the power of his resurrection. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So we looked at the first part there, that I may know him, and then also I'd like to look at the power of his resurrection. It's interesting that Paul didn't ask for more power, but he just asked that he would, I guess, understand that power. You know, you would kind of think, you know, that, you know, and I think I've done that already, you know, give me, you know, more power, but the power is already there. We just need to, we need to understand you know, how that actually works out. Um, Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I found a quote here I was kind of, I was blessed by, and I thought I would read it here, about the resurrection power. It says, We must understand that resurrection power is like no other power on earth. It is unique and has no possible rival. For one thing, it is the kind of power that operates in the midst of death. It works when everything around it is dull, dead, and barren. It works best in the midst of a cemetery, for that is where it was first demonstrated. When Jesus Christ was resurrected, he came out from among the dead. Therefore, if you learn to live by resurrection power, you can be alive and vital when everything and everyone around you is dead and lifeless. Resurrection power is also irresistible. It cannot be thwarted or turned aside. It takes absolutely no account of any obstacles thrown in its path, except to use them for further opportunities to advance its cause. When Jesus came bursting from the grave, he paid not the slightest attention to the obstacles man had placed in his way. There was a large stone in front of his tomb. He passed through it. He himself was wrapped in yard after yard of linen cloth. He left the grave clothes undisturbed behind him. There were Roman guards in front of his tomb. He ignored them. He took not the slightest notice of the decrees of Caesar or the orders of Pilate or the fulminations of the Jewish priests. I was just um, excited reading over this. Resurrection power. It takes absolutely no account of any obstacles thrown in his path except to use them for further opportunities to advance its cause. I guess, you know, for us, we, we, we have all these obstacles we think are in our path. And, uh, but 
this resurrection power, it looks beyond that. It it doesn't see that as as being in its way, I guess. It just plows forward. And it uses those things to advance its cause. And I was just excited about that. Um, God sees, you know, He sees us who we are. We might think that we're, you know, don't have much. But uh, God sees something beautiful in our in us. And He wants to use that to advance His cause and advance His kingdom. And we just need to, uh, we need to trust Him and believe. Ephesians 1, verse 18 to 20 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us word who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places? I was, as you look at this verse, it says, What is the exceeding greatness? It's just this huge greatness of His power to us word. And just thinking about that word, us word, you know, you think of this, this great huge greatness just coming right toward us. You know, it's turned towards us. And that's an exciting thought. Um, that power is for us. To us, word, who believe. Um, five aspects I want to bring out about the, this power. <clears throat> First one here is the power to have sins forgiven. Christ, through his death and resurrection, frees us from the power of sin. We all know that sin has a hold on us, and without God we are slaves to that sin. Romans 4.25 says, Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. He was delivered for our offenses, and it didn't stop there. He was raised again for our justification. Um, There would be no salvation if it would have stopped there. He was just delivered for our offenses. But he did. He rose again. For our justification, we can be justified in in his sight. Had there been anything lacking in Jesus' sacrifice, if his blood had lacked the power to cancel the penalty for anyone's sin, God could not have raised him. In that case, God's justice would not have allowed him to raise Jesus from the dead. But the very fact of the resurrection shows once and for all that Jesus' sacrifice is all that is necessary to pay the penalty for your sins and for my sins. What a a blessing that is. The very fact of the resurrection shows us that his sacrifice was all that was needed to to pay that penalty for our sins. The resurrection power doesn't end... Actually, here, no. Okay. The second one I had here was the power to conquer sin. So we had the power to forgive sins, the power... or to have sins forgiven, the power to conquer sin... The resurrection power doesn't end with our forgiveness, but it also empowers us to conquer sin in our lives. Ephesians 4.24 says, And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So as when we accepted Christ, we were made a new creation, and we took on that new self, and the purpose of that new self is to be conformed to his, to the image of Christ, to conform to his likeness, to become like him, to be truly righteous, truly holy, and to become what God intends us to be. 
So I guess the question would be, do we realize the greatness of His power that can help us to overcome and conquer sin? And like Paul says, he wants to understand. He wants to understand this, this uh, resurrection power, or the power of his resurrection. And I think he, uh, I think he probably understood better than we do how much he needed that, that power. Uh, the third one is the power to be God's ambassadors. God empowers us not only to defeat sin, but also to share and display that message of salvation to the world. <clears throat> and he has called us to be a light to the world. And we saw that at the end of Matthew there, um, where God sent them out, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that's another aspect that he wants to, uh, he wants to show through us his power to the world, his saving power, and show himself. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19 to 20 says, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Um, and that's an exciting thought to think that he wants to work through us. You know, he, he wants to build his kingdom here, and he wants to do it through our lives. And, uh, you know, that's exciting to think about, how that he wants to use us. And then, um, you know, we can think that, well, we're, you know, we're so small and insignificant. How could God ever, you know, you, or how could he ever build his kingdom? How could he do his great work through us? But we read here in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So uh, God understands this very well. He, he knows that we're frail. Um, we're as dust, but He wants to accomplish big things through our lives. And He uses... Our weaknesses, our failures, he uses those to, uh, to accomplish his great work. So that's, that's exciting. Uh, the fourth one here is the power to be conformed to his likeness. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, I like to read this in the Amplified. It says, And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And a uh, commentator here I was going to read, um, talking about the unveiled face. The Jews only saw the shining of the face of Moses through a veil. But we behold the glory of the gospel of Christ in the person of Christ, our lawgiver, with open face. They saw it through a veil which prevented the reflection or shining of it upon them, and so this glory shone only on the face of Moses, but not at all upon the people. Whereas the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ shines as in a mirror which reflects the image upon Christian believers, so that they are transformed into the same image deriving the glorious gifts and graces of the Spirit with the gospel from Christ, the Lord and distributor of them. 
So that's, that's a pretty interesting uh, thought there, how that mirror is reflecting off of Christ onto us. And uh, that's an amazing thought. I'm sure we all know how a mirror works. If you have a mirror and you shine a light, you can shine it wherever you want. It's, and it's just as bright or brighter as what you're shining onto it. But that's, you know, Christ, he wants, he's reflecting, <clears throat> says, Whereas the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ shines as in a mirror which reflects the image upon, Christ, upon us, his image is reflected onto us, so that we are transformed into the same image. We're talking about the power to be conformed to his likeness. That power is what can transform us and what can uh, conform us into his image. Because we all want to be you know, like Christ. We want to have his image in our lives and be like him. Um, and we can through this, through this power, through this resurrection power. Um, Romans 8, verse 28 to 31 and I'm going to turn there, Romans 8, 28-31. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. <clears throat> for whom He did foreknow, did he foreknow? Did he foreknow us? Yes, he foreknew all of us. There's no one that's exempt. He also did predestinate. He predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son. God wants us to be, how would you say, little Christ? Just like him. Um, he wants us to be conformed to his image. That was his purpose. And uh, just another thought here, you know, we see all our faults and failures, but God sees something beautiful in us. You know, we see our selfishness and our selfish desires, but God sees something beautiful. And he wants to uh, transform us into his image. <clears throat> the, uh, the last one here is the power to overcome the devil and his kingdom. It's another aspect of this resurrection power. I'd like to read Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." The, uh, going to verse 8 here, it says, He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And he didn't, he didn't stop there. But he, he went further and he, um, he was exalted. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, 
we think about the power to overcome the devil and his kingdom, um, that name is above every name. And through, through Jesus' name, we can overcome. And it also says, um, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we have, we have something to rejoice about. Um, that, that name that is above all other names, you know, there's, there's people who, who serve other gods, other names. But Jesus is the only one that conquered the grave. He conquered principalities and powers. Um, actually, I was going to read that verse here in Colossians 2, verse 15. It says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So he... He spoiled principalities and powers um, and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Just gives the idea of, of that victory, that victory that was won, Christ the victor. Um, he conquered that death. So we can have we can we can yeah, you know, so we can have that resurrection power. So I I think that's all I had. Um I hope you all were able to get something out of that and be encouraged to, uh, to know Christ, understand Him, to, uh, to learn what He actually has given us through His resurrection power and how that can really change our lives for something better. So uh, I think we have one more Sunday here and then we're going back to Haiti. So uh, it's been great being here with everybody and and uh, connecting again and so uh, trust God will continue to bless you all here and you can pray for us in Haiti so God bless you